0: read a story this week by a pastor describing a woman who he knew who showed up at his church fairly often and prayed the same simple prayer. She said, Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. Week after week after week. It became so noticeable that that the kids in the church would start to laugh every time she opened her mouth. Because they knew it would be the same prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And finally, somebody asked her, why do you pray the same prayer? She said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. We live in a bad neighborhood. And some nights there are bullets flying, and I have to grab my daughter and hide on the floor. And in that desperate state, all I know how to cry out is, Oh, Lord! But when I wake up in the morning and see that we're okay, I say, thank you, Jesus. And when I get to take my baby to the bus stop, and she gets on that bus, and I don't know what's going to happen to her while she's away, I cry, oh, Lord. And then at 3.30, she comes, and that bus arrives, and my baby is safe. I say, thank you, Jesus. She said, those are the only two prayers I know. And when I get to church, God has been so good, I just put my two prayers together. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love her sincere and grateful heart. But I'm thinking that if she is willing, I, I, I think we could help her out with some more vocabulary for her prayers as we talked last week together. There is more to the idea, I think, of expressing gratitude to God particularly as we think more in terms of thanksgiving and gratitude in this month, in this season. There's more to the idea of expressing gratitude to God than just being thankful for what He has done in our lives. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that. That is so important. That is so necessary. And yet, if we remember that God... Father, Son, and Spirit, our God is a relational God with feelings and emotions. It seems to me Scripture is filled with those images and those descriptions of of God's emotions, love and affection and joy and sadness and anger and and longing. God is. Our God is relational. He is personal and and feeling. That indeed is one of the great mysteries of our God. Awesome and powerful in being, ruler of the universe, and yet close and intimate, personal, feeling. There is no doubt that, that gratitude ought to be a way of life for God's people. It is appropriate to give thanks to God for everything, as well as give thanks to God for for who He is. It seems to me that it's it's reasonable that one of the things that God's people would want to give time to and, and words to is expression of gratitude for the kind of being that God is, to give Thanks to him for his character, for for the qualities that make God God. That makes sense. So that's that's what we're about in this uh, this brief little series of looking at the qualities, the character that drives the activities, those things that God does for us. I I love it when my kids thank me for things that that I have done for them. It's wonderful. But what really melts my heart, and you can probably relate to this if you're a parent, is when they tell me that they just love me for me. Just something about who I am that they are thankful for. Now, an honest moment of confession here. Because I think it has some application for our expression of praises to God. One of my greatest emotional struggles is insecurity that I have as a dad. I get cards from my kids on birthdays and Father's Day, and I read the wonderful things that they write and that they're thankful for me. <clears throat> and there's this, always this, this little voice in my head that says things like, you know, if they only knew who you really were, you know? Wouldn't it be cool, guy, if those things were just really true all the time? I know, I probably need counseling for something like that, but it just it just plays. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Dixie. You can relate. Yeah. <clears throat> and but here's why I say this. Because our God never has that voice in his head. There's never uncertainty about who he is. There's never uncertainty. Any uncertainty about the perfection of his qualities. And and no matter what we praise and thank him for, the reality in him is greater than what we express. It is greater than what we can imagine. And so I would just simply say that, that we don't want to allow, for those of you who can relate, our doubts about our personal character to influence the freedom with which we praise God for his perfect and holy and marvelous character. Does that make sense? So this morning we want to consider gratitude, giving thanks to God the Son. In the same way that we looked at God the Father last week through that that great story of of the prodigal son in Luke's gospel. Tried to focus in on some of the attitudes, some of the the character qualities that that were behind the actions of that father. We want to to do that again uh, this morning. And I want to repeat again that we are recognizing in the triune God three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, that are one, the mystery of our faith, that we embrace the oneness and yet the threeness of God. The threeness, yet the oneness. And as we consider the Son, I think it's especially important, and and as we look at at one particular text this morning, to remember that, as we said last week, it, it is an error to think that there is a subordinationism within the Trinity. That is to suggest that one member is more important than the other. There is not a hierarchy within the Godhead, to use the old language, within the Trinity. And I also need to include at the end of this sermon this morning, just a couple of comments about gratitude to the Spirit. I had planned on three Sundays, and, and, and as you know, surgery is happening this week, and I didn't know that, so I, I wish I had another Sunday to deal with gratitude uh, to the Spirit but I'll, I'll make a couple of comments about that this morning. So our reading this morning is going to come from, from two texts. I have blended uh, a text from Colossians 1 and Philippians 2. And I've done that because I think these are two of the most amazing texts that bring to life for us the reality of the Incarnation. When we think in terms of the divinity of Christ, when we think in terms of the humanity of Christ... Colossians 1 explodes the wonder, the marvel, the grandeur of who God the Son is in his divinity. Philippians 2 zeroes in on on his attitude and his thinking as the God-man. Colossians provides for us plenty of reasons to praise the Son for what he has done. I think Philippians gives us Reasons for praising the son for his character. So we're going to stand together and read this blending of these two texts. I need two congregations this morning. So you folks over here in north side, congregation one, go ahead and stand up. Folks over here on the south, congregation two, okay? And I'll be your leader, which is one liner to open us up. So here we go. I'll start and then congregation one, congregation two. In your relationships with one another. Paul is writing to the Philippians. He's concerned about how they are treating one another because of the witness that that is for Jesus Christ. So in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. Congregation one. All together. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Oh, my sisters and brothers, thanks be to God. This is his word. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. All right. Here's what I want you to do for just a couple minutes. Imagine that this, and, and maybe for some of you this is true, and so you don't have to imagine. That That would be fun. Imagine that, that this is the first time you've heard some of these statements, these truths about Jesus expressed from Colossians and Philippians and kind of pushed together for, for contrast's sake. Talk with a neighbor, someone nearby. What, what might your responses be? This is what you're, you're hearing some of these things for the first time. Talk with someone nearby. Okay, are we ready? Okay, what are some of your responses? What... Um, what do you think what have you heard what impresses you how do you respond go ahead who wants to start us off (laughs) oh i like that yeah come on how can this be yeah yeah theologians have been asking that question for centuries how can this be you know divinity humanity yeah what else excellent excellent good stuff good stuff what else anybody else it, it, it's hard to separate ourselves from it if that's if that's our experience. Absolutely, yeah. If this is all you know, might make some of those. Yeah, jump to some of those conclusions. All things, I know. You know, it's a our minds, and I'm not saying this is wrong. Where I tend to Lee's asking the question about the, the reconciliation of all things that Paul refers to from the Colossians one text, and I think it's pretty natural for us to kind of go that direction that says, okay, what are the all things and can we kind of list them out? It's not bad. I think initially our response needs to sort of go down the path of the the scope of influence versus particular kinds of things that were reconciled versus things that weren't reconciled. I think Paul is trying to paint a picture for the Colossian believers of the greatness of of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus. Jesus is bigger and more powerful than anything they, as Romans, have ever come up against. That's that's my gut to that. The initial response, amazing, amazing stuff. I, I love where you went with this. There is just that sense of wow. How you know? How can this be true? you know equality of the son and the father great news mysterious why would he do this i think some of my my favorite verses are those from colossians describing the greatness of the son his role in creating all things all things were created by him and for him paul says In him, all things hold together. That's significant language. All things, whatever those all things are, find their meaning and their purpose in the Son. So, tell me, as you're sitting here right now, do you feel any movement at all? Are you a little dizzy? A little motion sick? You think you're sitting still, don't you? You're not. It's an illusion. Did you know that this planet of ours, thinking of all things, is spinning around on its axis somewhere about the speed of 1,000 miles per hour? Every 24 hours, the Earth pulls off a celestial 360. Traveling at an average speed of about 67,000 miles per hour. Help me with this. I can't even get my head around this stuff. And that's because planets in our solar system are orbiting around the sun. One orbit of the earth takes one year. I think I knew that. Meanwhile, our entire solar system orbits the center of the Milky Way galaxy, which is rather large, our sun and solar system move at about 500,000 miles an hour. Who figures this stuff out? (laughs) And so about every 90 seconds, those of you who thought you were sitting still, you've actually moved... 12,500 miles in orbit around the galaxy's center. Created by him and for him. Is that enormous? Is that just mind-boggling? The word wow comes to mind when I read those figures and makes me feel really small and insignificant. But then we turn, we turn to Philippians where Paul, after saying to the Colossians, this Jesus is greater than you can imagine, says to the Philippians, think like Jesus thinks. Have the attitude that Jesus has in your life. Man, talk about a collision of of greatness and practical. He goes on to describe, I think, some of the most amazing truths that we find anywhere in all of Scripture. And and I think it's it's in this Philippians text that, that we have some gems of praise and gratitude to God the Son regarding His character the character that drives the actions that Paul lays out in Philippians. For sure, there are plenty of reasons to to thank him for what he has done, and we should, but I think if we listen closely, kind of behind the, the, uh, the scenes in this text, there's much that is revealed about his character. What Jesus has done and what Jesus still does flows from who. He is. I think this is a window into the character of God. Remember, Jesus responded to that question from his disciples, show us the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The character of God revealed in God the Son. So, let's just revisit for a few minutes uh, and uncover some of the uh, the gratitude points that I think are in this text. First Paul says that that even though Jesus is in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. The word that she, The original word in in, in the Greek for grasped is is clung to. There's a sense of of desperateness, of of tenacity, of clinging to for the sake of, of loss. Even though Jesus is in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Gratitude point number one for me and hopefully for you out of this text. God the Son is not Selfish. Duh, right? God the Son is not selfish. Which means that in the character of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, there is no hint of selfishness. Defined as lacking consideration for others. Concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. A God who has made everything doesn't have anything to lose. It's all His to begin with. He doesn't have anything to lose in personal profit or in pleasure. It is His. He does what He chooses to do with it. And in doing what God does, there is ultimate pleasure. Father, Son, and Spirit. Isaiah wrote, hundreds of years before Jesus, prophetic text in chapter 53, that it pleased God to bruise or to crush the Son. And the reason that it did is because God is not selfish. God did not cling to the Son. What Paul is saying here is that that God the Son was not clung to, and God the Father did not cling to the Son, God the Son did not cling to His glory, what He did was precisely because of God's concern for others, for humanity. We've said numbers of times, it is the invitation of God extended to us through the Son to come into the community of God. You ever express thanks to God the Son for his complete lack of selfishness? just so struck me this week. Paul writes that the Son did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That means that he did not consider his position for all of eternity shared with Father and Spirit as God, he didn't consider that as something that, that he could not sacrifice for the sake of a lost and broken creation. And writes Paul, he made himself nothing. That is literally, he emptied himself which means that he did not empty himself of his deity, but he willingly laid aside his glory. He willingly laid aside his lofty position with the Father and the Spirit to become human. Are you with me? hurts my head. And again in order to counter the error of subordinationism, which I mentioned earlier, which I think is is typically the most common error that, that we have when we think in terms of the Trinity, the idea that there's a hierarchy. This statement reminds us that though Jesus was doing the will of his Father, the will of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, he did so on his own. Jesus often spoke of doing the will of his Father. He also said, nobody makes me lay my life down. I do it on my own. Thanks be to God the Son for His supremely unselfish character. Amazing. A second gratitude point for me out of this text, and I hope for you, God the Son is humble which means God is humble. You ever think of God as humble? Think of God as awesome and power and glory and magnificent. It occurred to me, though, this week, that, that the reason that the Scripture is, is so often speaks of God's disdain for the proud, disdain for those who boast, is because they are taking credit for something that is ultimately, regardless of what it is, It is ultimately a gift from God. The very breath that we take on a daily basis, if Jesus created all things, they're all created by Him and for Him. The very breath that we take is a gift from Him. And so when we find ourselves taking credit for things that we have done in a way that is boastful and calls attention to ourselves, we are taking away from the credit that is due God. On a human level, we boast because we want people to think something of us, typically more of us. Okay, maybe you don't. I do that, okay? Sometimes our boasting is rooted in the truth, We really have accomplished something cool. And sometimes it's rooted in a little exaggeration. Just for the sake of calling good attention, either way, we want people to, to notice us. When God chose to reveal himself more clearly than ever before, The divine radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, the writer of Hebrews tells us, that's what Jesus is. So when God chose to reveal himself clearly, what did he do? Well, he wrapped himself up in flesh and showed up as a baby. What is that all about? Paul writes that he was made in human likeness, and found in appearance as a man. Now, when you think of where Jesus was coming from, that lofty position of glory that he laid aside, that seems like a real come down to me. Incredible humility. And don't forget all the details of his life that we know well came as that helpless infant eating his diaper changed born in a barn to an unmarried woman in a town that no one thought much of except of course for those who lived in the town whose husband was a carpenter not exactly a wealthy life and when he grew into his adult years wouldn't you know it he started hanging out with all the wrong people loving the wrong folks Healing folks on the Sabbath shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. Breaking the rules, making the authorities angry. God was not out to boast or impress in the way that we think of impressing or boasting. God was out through a very unlikely scenario to save lost people. Again, the actions flow out of the character of who God is. Do we thank Jesus often for the incredible humility that he lived out on earth so that we could be saved? That was the plan of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the very beginning. However it is we calculate beginnings in eternity. One more gratitude point. God the Son is faithful. Paul writes that he humbled himself and became obedient to death. And then I think for emphasis, I think I can almost imagine Paul stopping and going, oh my, even death on a cross. Paul, the Roman citizen, had seen plenty of, of crucifixions. They were ugly. One of the most hideous, if not the most hideous form of death that humanity has ever come up with. Even death on a cross, he humbled himself and became obedient to that death. In his humanity, this is important for us to remember, in his humanity, he was every bit as real as I. Every bit as human as us, but without sin. He faithfully carried out the plan of God for the salvation of sinful, rebellious people. That seems like such a raw deal to me. But that is what God wanted, and God chose freely to do what was necessary to accomplish that. Wow. And lest we think somehow it was easy for God in the flesh, then here again the 100% human son's request in the garden with drops of blood flowing from him like sweat, Father, if this could be your will, take this cup from me as he anticipated the suffering and the agony and the death on the cross. In other words, if we can do this another way, I'm up for that. But not my will, your will, but your will be done. Do we thank God the Son in, in his humanity for his faithfulness to bring to pass the will of God, Father, Son, and Spirit for our salvation. We need to. We need to add these words of expression of thanks to God for His amazing character. Character that Jesus lived out so faithfully for our salvation. And finally, let me suggest just one gratitude point related to God the Spirit, which I still had next Sunday for this, but, but let me summarize it in this statement. Remember to thank the Spirit of God for His incredible patience for putting up with what is in us. We understand from Scripture that God sends his spirit to empower us and to indwell us and to live in us. Paul, in a directive to the Corinthian believers, said, you know, this way of life that you're living, this nonsense, this immorality, it's got to stop. He told them you were purchased with a price. Do you not understand that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? the dwelling place the presence of god you ever wonder what it must be like for the spirit of god to live in us to dwell in that place of our emotions where we feel doubt and fear and uncertainty and and where we are unfaithful to god where we question his love and his goodness. Forgive the analogy here, brothers and sisters, but it must be a bit like moving from a palace to a cesspool. We stink. And I know, I know the positional theology. We are no longer sinners, we are saints. I get that. But we are saints with still a lot of sin in us. And the Spirit of God lives in that place to empower us to do what? To put to death those sins that do not bring life. Those sins that do not bring glory and praise to our God who has saved us at great cost. He lives within us to give us the power to die to self and to live for the glory of God. Man, how many days must the Spirit grieve when He sees me again crawl off the the, the altar of self-sacrifice? Someone has said that's the problem with the living sacrifices in Romans 12. They get up and they get off the altar. The Spirit gives us patiently, lovingly, faithfully, flowing from the character of who God is, gives us the strength to die to self, to live for the glory of God. Let us remember to thank God, the Spirit, for his faithful, convicting, encouraging presence in our lives. May we have the courage to obey and to follow his leading. So praise team, come on up. Brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus, we have just scratched the surface in two very brief Sundays. So I want to encourage you, though, to continue to, to dig into the Scriptures. And, and again, don't move away from thanking God for what He has done. That is awesome and that is important. But look for the gems in Scripture that that allow us to, to see more clear, clearly the The character of our God who is relational and personal has called us into relationship with Himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. Look for those gems. Strive to be more intentional about blessing the heart of God. Can I say it that way? Blessing the heart of God with with words of gratitude for who He is. God like no other. Our God. Amen.